choir comes down, I'm going to ask that you would uh, just go ahead and turn in your Bibles. We have been looking at uh, uh, Hebrews chapter 10 uh, the last several weeks and a few weeks, and I want to uh, try to finish up there today and continue to talk about the effects and uh, the effects of corporate worship. Um, right now? Yeah, well, right now, we're going to do something. All right, Justin needs to uh, share something real quick, so. Uh, you know, we've been blessed tremendously. We've been blessed with two pastors to help lead our church, to keep us focused, where our minds should be focused. It's hard to stay focused sometimes when you leave this sanctuary and the love and the fellowship that these two men keep pushing on us. You know, they keep keep us focused where we're supposed to be. And last month was Pastor Appreciation Month, and I, I hope that you took time to send a card, make a call, thank them for all that they do, you know, because they work very hard. And uh, as a token of the church, I would like to, to from Midway, thank Pastor Steve with a little something for all that he does. And we appreciate what you do. And thank you for all your hard work too. You know, we, we're blessed to have people that, that, that are focused on us instead of them. You know, when we leave here, a lot of times I focus on just me and my family, but they focus on all the families. And they're very humble. They're probably getting on to me for, for praising them, which I'm not trying to. But, you know, God puts people where he needs us to have to help lead. That's the purpose of this position right here. So we thank you guys for what you do. Twenty twenty's been quite the adventure, and uh, I am thankful for Josh in uh, the fact that uh, uh, we would not have all the technological things that we have if it were not for him. Uh, the Lord knew to bring him at the right time uh, because uh, I have just gotten so far out of that field. Um, you know, I have put so much on him to make all of these things happen so that we have online studies. We have online services and different things, and he is so good about uh, doing that. When I come up with a brilliant idea, he puts it to action and makes it work so that it looks like we know what we're doing. Um, all right, if you've got your Bibles with you, Hebrews chapter 10, I want to read again verses 15 through 25 because it tells a story that I want us to understand about the church and our need uh, for one another. So uh, I'm going to ask that if you would, one more time, I know you've been on yo-yo this morning, up and down, but one more time, if you don't mind, let's stand as we honor the reading of the Word of the Lord. I think it's so important to stand before the Lord as we turn our attention uh, to His Word. Uh, and in Hebrews chapter 10, starting in verse 15, it says... Whereof the Holy Ghost also is a witness to us, for after that he had said before, This is the covenant that I have, will make with thee after these days, saith the Lord. I will put my laws in their heart, and in their minds will I write them. 
And their sins and iniquity will I remember no more. Now where remission of their, these is, there is no more offering for sin. Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest uh, uh, by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he has consecrated for us, through the, though the veil that is to say his flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled with an evil conscience and our bodies washed with the pure water. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that is promised. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more that you see the day approaching. Father, as we come to hear the word of the Lord this morning, we pray that, Father, that you would take the reading of your word and then begin to, by the work of the Holy Spirit, uh, begin to unlock and open up the secrets of your word. And then, Lord, pour into us the understanding of your word so that it might be the lamp unto our feet and the light unto our path that we might leave this place this morning in this time of gathering. And Lord, we might go forth as the church of Jesus Christ, encouraging one another, lifting one another up, sharing the gospel because of the work that Jesus Christ has done and fulfilled for us on Calvary's cross. Lord, we're thankful for the opportunity today to stand here and to proclaim your word today. I pray that you'd move me out of the way, hide me behind the cross. Let it not be my word, O Lord, but your word that is proclaimed today. And may Jesus truly be lifted up in the time that we spend together, Lord. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated this morning. You know, for the last few weeks, we've been talking about the importance of gathering together and the need thereof. And last week, I began to, uh, uh, to talk about what are the effects? What does it matter if we gather together? What are some of the effects that we leave on one another and on the world as we gather together each and every week? as we worship the Lord, and as we wait for that opportunity for us to one day leave the troubles of this world behind, as Brother Bill Merchant did, and go on to be with the Lord in glory. Well, I want you to understand that there, there are definite effects that take place and things that happen when we gather together this morning. So I want to begin by just sharing some more thoughts about this. So uh, each week I've tried to add to what I've already shared with you, so I want to begin this way. Every one of us has a purpose in the local church. Isn't that great to know? Every one of us has a purpose. There is a reason why you are here. Both corporately and individually, we have a purpose. Therefore, there should be no divide between the pew and the pulpit. In fact, the strengths and the weaknesses of the members of the local church are intentional, even to the point of being complementary. Everyone has the something that the other does not have, and we are stronger together than we are apart. And that is a beautiful truth in which we ought to celebrate as God's family. We need to look at every person in our congregation as a vital member uh, of the family. Where I am lacking... There you may be strong. Your strengths challenge me to grow and address my weaknesses and vice versa. 
Our vocations and personalities help showcase the beauty of the diversity of the bride of Christ. We need to praise God that everyone is different. But we should never forget the need for all of those differences. For the Bible itself tells us the great need in, in Paul's writing to the Corinthians about the fact that the body is made up of different parts and each part plays a vital role. So God has set um, uh, Christ as the head of the church uh, as the body of believers gather as a community of God's chosen people. This calls for all of us to walk the walk of life regardless of our background, our education, or our training. Therefore, there is a need not only uh, that we not be divided in the body, but that we celebrate together all that God has gathered together into one flock for God's glory. I'm glad that there are multiplicity of different styles of families and individuals within our church. So when we gather, celebrate God. Because the reason that we gather is for Him and not for ourselves. God uses our differences to propel the gospel around the world through our diversity as well. He uses us to help spur on one another in the faith. So this morning, I shared with you last week that I was going to give you three points that hopefully will give a framework for the effects of corporate gathering. I gave you one last week, spent the, all the time on it. And uh, in light of our commitment to the glory of God and to our love for one another, we need this framework so that we can continue to have the effect that God has intended for the church to have not only on those who sit in the pew, but those who uh, we affect when we leave this gathering. So first of all, we looked last week when the church gathers corporately, it illustrates the gospel. We took time and kind of looked at all of the verses last week and how that it talks about in the beginning in verses 15 uh, and through uh, 20 about uh, the, the gospel and how the, the gospel was founded through the blood of Jesus Christ. Um, we looked at how the early believers showed the gospel through their gathering and then we looked at how that we show the gospel through gathering. So I want to just kind of tie that together with this statement. Church... This is critical for us to understand because the very act of gathering is the proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because the gospel created the church, Acts chapter 20 and verse 28 says that Jesus purchased the church of God with his own blood. He purchased us that we may be reconciled to God and bear His image in the earth, showing forth the glory and the majesty of our God, our Father, who is in heaven. So the corporate gathering is the most explicit demonstration of the implications of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That He takes that which was a sinner apart from God, it washes us through, thoroughly through the blood of Jesus Christ, makes us a new person in Christ, brings us together, and then adopts us into His family as the family of God. Because the gospel produces worshipers, and it produces a collective body of worshipers, we worship the Lord as we share the gospel 
together. So when the church gathers corporately, we are a great illustration to a lost and dying world of what the effects of the gospel has upon those who have been converted through Jesus Christ. Now, the second thing that I want us to see this morning, the second framework is that when the members gather corporately, they disciple one another. You see, the reality is God never intended for us to just come into a faith, be adopted into the family, and be left in a corner to play by ourselves. God always intended for us to mature into believers who would be able to share our faith with others along the way. Look at verse 24, and here's what he says. Let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. We have numerous, throughout the the Bible, throughout the New Testament especially, numerous one another commands. Uh, All sorts of instructions are are given and encouragement uh, of each other for the building up of each other and the exhorting and the speaking to and into the lives of one another. Uh, We are to address one another in in many different ways. We're to address one another in the Word of God. We're to address one another in the prayers of God. We're to address one another in the songs of God. We are to bring together that wholeness of the family of God. And there is a, a, here lies the million dollar question. Where will we be able to do all of these different things? And the answer simply comes back to at all times at the corporate gathering of the body of Christ. Throughout Scripture, we've looked at it several times. It happens when God's people gather together under one setting, under one direction, for one purpose, and that is to worship the Lord our God. People often quote this particular text in in, in, uh, Hebrews chapter uh, 10 and verse 25, and, and as proof that the corporate gathering is something that we need. What I want you to hear this morning and what I don't want you to miss is an important thing that we find as we study the Scripture. This command not to neglect the, the gathering together, it's sandwiched between two relational exhortations. You see, the reality is that we need to understand it's not just get down upon people for not showing up, but to recognize our great effect when we show up. What are we doing for those around us? That's the important part that we want to listen to what it says. Let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not neglecting to gather together. In other words, the neglecting to gather together means that we're neglecting to stir up one another in love and in good works. I think that's what the writer was trying to get us to see. We cannot miss opportunities to gather together because we're missing opportunities to be a blessing and an encouragement and a help in the hearts and lives of people around us that are dependent upon us. I think the writer wanted us to to recognize how important we are to one another. Think about it like this. Where else in your week are you going to sing, 
Christ-exalting lyrics out loud. Now listen, I know some of you are going to say, in my car, that's where I sing the best. Uh, I'm all alone, I can sing real loud, people just look at me like I'm crazy when I'm driving down the road, but I can really let her rip. Well, you know, that's one way in one place that we might, but listen, it is not the place where we're really uh, getting at it. So um, where else can we build up our brothers and sisters in Christ? Where else will you give meaningful biblical counsel to someone who is suffering or check in on someone who has been out for a period of time or give biblical advice to someone who has been struggling with sin and how to deal with the difficult situations that they might be facing in their life? Yes, people will say sometimes, they'll push back and say, well, I can do all of that without ever going to church on Sunday. They might say, I have a phone. And someone might say, well, I meet with people during the week, or I have a Bible study that I go to with a few people, and I do these things with them. And here would be my response. Well, what about all the other members of the body of Christ that you do not see when you select just to go to limited groups of gatherings instead of coming to those where we are to gather together as the whole of the body of Christ. You have a responsibility to love and encourage everyone in the church, not just a select few. You are called by Christ to love the entirety of the body. Can you really disciple someone only through sending them encouraging text messages? I mean, I'm all about encouraging text messages. I love them. I've gotten several over the last few weeks. And uh, I love meeting up with folks for coffee. I've got to do that the last couple of weeks. Or I, I get to do Bible studies during the week. I talk to folks all the time on the phone. And I think we ought to do all of that as much as we can and disciple as much as we can. But doing all of that stuff is secondary to the corporate gathering that should take place as we gather together. And at this point, I'm going to ask the, the, the tech team to put up our little triangle a little bit bigger on the screen for you because I, I want to make a point. Now, if you can get rid of that other overlay, it'll help me. All right, uh, that's our, our, our motto, if you would, of our church. And I want to just make a point here. I want you to understand that you see what's in the center of our triangle? Our church. You see, it is the fact that the church, everything is coming out of the church... But in order for it to come out of the church, we can't do evangelism and discipleship and family ministry unless we first come into the church. We come into the church so that we might go out of the church. We're building the church of tomorrow today through discipleship, evangelism, and family ministry so that we can encourage one another. It's important for us to understand that we must come to the body of Christ and out of the body of Christ is how we do those things. Thank you, tech team. Uh, it's normal and natural for God's people to be in each other's lives, sharing in the struggles and offering biblical counsel and building each other up. As Paul says in Ephesians chapter 4 in verses 15 and 16, but speaking the truth in love may grow up in him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. 
from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth according to the effectual working in the measure of every part, making increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. That should be our aim as a church when we gather together corporately and all throughout the week to act and to love and to speak lovingly one to another that all may grow collectively in the love of Christ as the head of our church and of our families. Let me suggest just a few practical ways that we can grow in our commitment to stir one another up to love and good works at the corporate gatherings each and every Sunday. We can prepare ourselves for worship long before Sunday morning. Can I just be honest just for a minute? Too many of us wait until we walk in the door of the church to start preparing ourselves to worship the Lord. I get a view that many of you do not get. I get to see you as you walk through the door. I get to see the, the, the wringing of hands and the frustration and, and sometimes the, 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 the downtrodden look that comes from what you just experienced in the car on the ride to church. Okay? Let me just say to you, it's so important that we recognize and understand that preparing for Sunday worship cannot begin when we cross the threshold of the doors of the church. It must begin far greater than that. Listen, my friends, this afternoon you should be preparing and beginning to prepare for the worship experience next Sunday morning. Now let me tell you what I mean by that. Charles Spurgeon says this concerning our preparation to worship. There should be some preparation of the heart in coming to worship. Consider who he is and whose name we have come to gather. And surely we cannot rush together with, throughout, uh, without thought. Consider whom we profess to worship, and we shall not hurry into the presence as men run into the fire." Moses, the man of God, who was warned to pull off his shoes from his feet where he, uh, when God only revealed himself through a bush. How should we prepare ourselves when we come to him who reveals himself through Jesus Christ, his dear son? There should be no, trim, uh, uh, no tumbling into the place of worship half asleep, no roaming here as if we were no uh, more than going to a playhouse. We cannot expect to profit much if we bring with us a swarm of ideas, uh, thoughts, and a heart crammed with vanity. If we are full of folly, we may shut out the truth of God from our minds. Can I just say to you, I believe that Jesus is worthy of our very best. He is worthy, therefore we should set apart the first day of the week to Him, just like we set apart the first fruits of our income for Him, because He is worthy of our very best. What does it say about our hearts when we show up for work on Monday morning, fired up and ready to go? Yeah, well, maybe I shouldn't have used that. Maybe I should have picked a better one because um, many of us may not. But let me just go on, all right? Or if we get ready to watch a ball game, whether or not the outcome comes our way, she's not even paying attention to me, Tammy. All right, we get all excited about a ball game or a cookout or some other festivity full of excitement and anticipation. 
But then we stroll into church on Sunday late and groggy and, and thinking about a million other things rather than about the worship of our God. And there's that issue of sin that needs to be dealt with in our area of confession. But we bring it into the gathering and think, well, there'll come a point when somebody will pray and then I will be able to uh, search my heart and get things right with the Lord. My friends, when we take our worship so insincere and we take it so lightheartedly, no wonder when we get here, we're not experiencing the worship of the Lord Jesus Christ as we should and ought to. We need to worship the Lord not just as we begin on Sunday morning, but it should be an overflow of what we have done throughout the week. Sunday morning should not be the beginning of our worship. It should be the culmination of our worship. I'm telling you, my friends, we need to be careful how we come unprepared into the house of the Lord. The second practical truth that I want you to see is that we can fight to win the battle in our private devotions during the week. It's so important for us to not only begin our preparation for Sunday morning worship Sunday afternoon as we're sitting around watching those games or doing other things, but that we ought to make sure that we are winning the battle in our private devotions during the week. The expression of worship on Sunday morning should be a collective of overflow of our daily worship and devotion to God through our time of spending time in His Word and prayer throughout the week. So we come to Jesus every day in his word to hear from him and to let him feed us, edify us, and build us up so that when we go and we pour ourselves out in love one to another because we have received from him an overflowing all week long. My friends, we do this best when we overflow Jesus. When we ask Him to pour into our hearts throughout the week so that on Sunday morning we might overflow unto others. The third thing that we see is that we guard ourselves from that which may hinder our worship. The writer of Hebrews also tells us that we ought to put away every sin that so easily besets us. The things that hinder us from our worship. If we are to consistently putting before our eyes and using our time on things that are not Christ-exalting and have no real value in helping us to love God or love people, our affections are going to be led astray from Christ. That's just common sense. It's just basic principle. Remember that our hearts are prone to wave or to we waver, and that we must guard them if we really want to worship well and serve well when we gather together as the body of Christ. And fourthly, resist the temptation to view Sunday as a second day off. Now listen, I, I have to admit that, that there was times in my life when, when that was a problem. Now, it is a day off, no doubt. In one sense, because most of us don't work our jobs on Sunday. And we should certainly enjoy the rest and our families and other sorts of things upon that day. Now, in my years past, I would struggle with that very thing. 
I would think, well, you know, Sunday's coming and, and I've worked hard all week and I've done all this. Sunday ought to be my day to sleep in late and, 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 and to have a day for me, a me day or a family day or I, I could do something else. I just need a break. Can I just remind you of this phrase? This day, this day of the week that we gather to worship the Lord, this is not called your day. This is called the Lord's day. It's time that we start recognizing that it's not about you. It ought to be about Him. And this is not a day off for us. This is a day for us to worship the Lord. It's a day for us to put our heart into it and give Him our fullest of our devotions. Even while doing that, we can find rest and relaxation. We can find family time. We can find things to do and, and ways to bless the Lord. Remember, it's not your day. It's the Lord's day. The third principle that I wanted to leave you with this morning as we gather together, when the church gathers corporately, its members deny self for the good of each other. You know, verse 25 really focuses in on that very idea. If we look at the last phrase in verse 25, but exhorting one another, and so much the more, as you see the day approaching. The reason that we should not neglect gathering together is because the Lord is coming. He is going to return, and we know that the closer it gets, the harder it is for us to walk in our faith. It's harder for us to, to live right in a world that is living so wrong. We need the encouragement of one another. I need you to be here so that I'm encouraged to work hard, to make sure I pray hard and, and study hard so that i got a word from God for you the next week. I can't begin to tell you how hard it was when we first had to do this lockdown and I was trying to preach to an empty sanctuary. And I'm thinking, Lord, what am I doing? Who am I speaking to? It's so hard. And, and, and it should be that you should be encouraged when you look around and see your brothers and sisters around you and know that you can lean on them and they can lean on you. And you should be encouraged by them, and they should be encouraged by you. We're told by Jesus, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. Luke 9, 23. Therefore, to have a love for the people of God assumes that we must first be willing to deny ourselves of our own selfishness and our own self-focus which is the fundamental moral compound uh, component of, of the person of Jesus Christ. And it is the foundation of the New Testament principles. I mean, if you could summarize Christ's moral character in one short sentence, you could probably say that He is perfectly loving and perfectly self-denying for the good of His people. And this is what we are called as followers of Christ to do. And to be, to deny ourselves so that we might encourage the, the saints. And it seems that this is the, uh, the very thing that God desires of us. It seems that this breaks down it, uh, itself down to the most practical and expressive way that we as the local church serve the Lord. 
Now, in John chapter 13, and verses 12 through 16, do you remember the night that the Lord was uh, uh, to be betrayed? He was in the upper room with his disciples, and they were getting ready to eat the Passover meal. And before the meal took place, Jesus did something that just shocked them all. He took off his cloak, and he girded himself with a towel, and he picked up the basin of water. And he began to wash the servants' feet. He began to wash each and every one of the disciples. We know that the scripture tells us that there was much said. And Peter uh, just outwardly said, it ain't happening. But when Jesus did this, he made a profound statement at the end. He said, you saw what I did. You call me master. And you saw what I did for you. Now go and do that for others. The idea is that we must deny ourselves and we must come to worship to serve others. Danny Gokley sings a song with a simple but effective message. It simply is called, Love God, Love People. The truth of the matter is that if we will love God, He will make it easier for us to love people. If you're having a problem loving people, don't look at the people. Look at your relationship with God. And God's going to tell you that there's something not quite right because if you love me, you will love the people that I love. And he loves his church. And I tell you that he died for his church. He gave his all for his church. And he wants us to give all for the church. Bible talks about our need for love. In John chapter 13, if we go on, in verses 34 and 35, Jesus goes on to say, A new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples, if you have love one for another. And then in John's gospel in chapter 15, in verses 12 through 13, This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no man than this, that he lay down his life for his friend. Exactly what Jesus did for us and what he expects us to do for others. Jesus calls us to love one another. Literally, calls us to love as brothers and sisters in Christ. The Bible uses more than one word for love, and I'm glad it does. Because I think we've kind of stretched that word to make it so meaningless so often. But Jesus chose the word that speaks of a particular kind of love. A family dimension kind of love. A fellowship love. We have but one Father who loves all of His children... So we are called to love one another as brothers and sisters in Christ. Family love is not perfect love by any means. But it's usually a loyal love. In his poem, The Death of a Hired Man, Robert Frost includes this line. Home is the place where when you have to go there, they have to take you in. That's family love. That's what the church should be. It's when 
Sinners walk through our doors. We welcome them in. When God's children walk through the door, we welcome them home. It's a place where we are maybe not perfect in our love, but we are free to offer our love. It's a love that accepts one another, like it or not. You are my brother, you are my sister in the Lord. Jesus has adopted you as well as me into his church. So I've got to love you and treat you like his family. It's a love that is warm-hearted. In these days, unfortunately, we can't do this as much. It, you know, but I would have said uh, 10 months ago about this church, it hugs and embraces a lot. But now we're almost too afraid to reach out our arms of love and embrace one another. But I'm so glad that my God, who does not have the corona, reaches down His arms of love and embraces me and you all the time. Let His arms wrap around you when others cannot. It's a love that is not only warm-hearted, but it is genuinely interested in the other's well-being. It is a love that feels responsible to help and to care for others in the church. It's a love that serves and protects and bears and endures. It's a self-denying love. It's a self-sacrificing love. It's a love that disciplines when needed. It's a love in which the church has surrogate grandparents, moms and dads, aunts and uncles, brothers and sisters in every pew. We are called to love one another. And Jesus is calling us to treat others like the family of God that we are. To be sure that we come together so that we might encourage one another, spur one another on to continue to love and encourage the saints. The effects that the corporate gathering has upon the church is phenomenal. The effect that it has upon the community around the church is also phenomenal. It is so important. So when we consider the effects that your corporate gathering has on those around us as well as yourself, we need to ask ourselves this question as we close this morning. Do I really want to miss being a part of something so important, so great for me, and so great for others? Do I really want to find something else to do, somewhere else to be? Or do I want to be where God has called me to be? It's a question for all of us to ask this morning as we think about our call to be the effective part of corporate worship. May the Lord use this church as we continue to reach our community through our community outreach projects. May the body of Christ love one another in such a way that the world around us sees that love and says, I want a part of that kind of love. May the family of God gather together and strengthen one another and encourage one another to go out and to be the example of Christ. 
in a lost and dying world. The closer Jesus comes to his coming back, the harder it is for the church to be the church, but the more important it is for us to be the church. So church, it is time for us to gather together, to strengthen one another, to encourage one another, to go out and win others for Christ. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for the opportunity today to be able to lift my voice before you, to give you praise and honor and glory. To ask that, Father, that you would take this and what we have shared about our church, your church. Lord, speak unto the family of God, I pray. Lord, when all is said and done, when all of Corona is behind us, and Lord, we we freely can come back together without a concern of uh, of contamination and, and, and virus. Pray that, Father, that we would come together stronger. Pray that we would come together committed. Pray that we would come together rejoicing in those that we have shared the gospel with. And as the psalmist said, as we go out weeping, that we might return bringing in the sheaves. May it be, O Lord, that Father, in the days ahead, that we encourage one another to go out and to love God and to love people. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. I thank the folks that have joined us online to worship with us. If there's something that we can do to help you to walk more with Christ, please contact us. Our information is there on the screen. We would love to hear from you, and we'd be glad to get back with you. Thank you for worshiping with us this morning, and we are so glad that we could worship with you. For those of you that are here this morning, I want to thank you for coming and being a part of the worship.